Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Cycle Podcast. I'm so grateful to have you here today. I'm your host, Melissa, and on today's episode, we have a endometriosis warrior, Lisa. She's 28 years old, and after having three children, her pain started to become unbearable. Mostly, she discovered her endometriosis through having painful sex. Listen in to her journey and story here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're well. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Cycle Podcast. Tonight, or today, or whenever you happen to be listening to this, it is tonight for us. Um, I am recording with Lisa, and she is from Bayshore, New York. Bayshore, is that correct? Bayshore, New York. And she is going to chat with us a little bit about her story, and with that, I'm going to let her introduce herself. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. doesn't have to be endo-related. Anything and everything. All right, so my name is Lisa Marie. Um, fun fact, I'm named after Lisa Marie Presley because my grandmother's a huge Elvis fan. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, I have three kids, three dogs, and I am recently married. So you're a little bit busy. Su- like super busy. <laughs> that, yeah, three kids and three dogs. So does every child have their own dog or how did that work out? I would like to think that that's how it is, but they're all my, like, they're literally my dogs. Like, my husband's like, you have to stop. My son just said today, I want a hamster. And I'm like, oh, what's a hamster? He's like, have you lost your mind? (laughs) (laughs) You were like, no way. And all in quarantine (laughs) together? Oh, boy. That that sounds intense. Well, great. Okay, good. Well, I'd love to just start off chatting a little bit about your story and really taking us from the beginning. Um like when you first started your period, I mean, did you have symptoms initially? How old were you? And so I got my first period, I think when I was around like 13 and I've always had heavy periods my whole life, the um, cramping, the nausea, missing school. I never had like everyday symptoms like I do now. Um, But my mom always used to tell me, Oh, you know, it's genetic. Um, I, I had bad periods, your grandma had bad periods and her mom had bad periods. And she would always tell me, um, you know, don't drink anything cold when you're on your period because it makes your period worse. And it's like a genetic curse. And I was like, okay, you know, I kind of just went with it because you know, what do you know? And then as I got older and I was in high school, my guidance counselor had called me in and was like, listen, you're missing a lot of school and we're really concerned and we wanted to find out what's going on. And I had explained to her, you know, I get really bad periods. I'm nauseous. I can't eat. I can't get out of bed. And she was like, oh, well, you could have endometriosis. And I was like, what is endometriosis? I mean, that's amazing that your guidance counselor, like in high school, that that actually makes me happy that (laughs) they knew what the word was. Yeah, exactly. So So you, from the beginning, painful periods, you know, ran, ran in your family. Everybody thought it was just it ran in your family and that's what you had to deal with. And so it, it was so bad that you would miss school and events and things like that. Okay. So then, okay, take it away. Your guidance counselor (laughs) says endometriosis, which is amazing. actually. (laughs) So, um, I actually happened to get pregnant in my senior year of high school. So it was like maybe two months after she said that to me that I found out I was pregnant and I went home after she said, you know, endometriosis. And I looked up endometriosis and it's an infertility. So when I got pregnant, I was like, oh, there's no way that I could have endometriosis. I'm pregnant. So I kind of like brushed it off from there. 
And um, not until I was pregnant with my daughter, you know, I think like four years later, my middle child is when I started to have like severe um, everyday kind of pain. And then I was like, this is, you know, this is not normal. Something's going on. I was starting to get like GI issues. And then I started developing really bad anxiety. So I was like, what is happening? In those four years between your first and your second child, did you breastfeed after your first child? Did you have pain in those four years? I had regular, um, like period pain. And then over time, it kind of progressed, like uh, regular for me, sure. um, progressed and got worse okay. into like spilling over into everyday pain, pain during intercourse, like that type of stuff. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's just, it helps to clarify because when people are going through it, a lot of times it always starts with the period pain, but then goes into the, the day by day. But sometimes when people get pregnant, their symptoms get a little bit better. Yours actually got worse. Got worse. Yes. Yeah. So okay. much worse. And yeah. even when I got pregnant with my third child, that like kind of put my body, I feel like over the edge. And I just like, was it my body was like, I can't take it anymore. I'm done. I was having so much pain every day. I was in bed. I was having, I've never experienced pain during intercourse like that until I got pregnant with my third child. It was horrific. I mean, I would be crying and in a ball in bed, not being able to move after having sex. It was horrible. Did you have pain when you were pregnant? Like, did yes. you have flare-ups and, and almost like cramping? And like, what was the pain like? Um, I had a little bit of cramping, but I noticed that my pain during intercourse got actually so much worse when I was pregnant with my third child. Interesting. And what, what did that feel like? Like, so if people are like, I know people say like pain with sex, if you feel comfortable sharing, like it sounds like afterwards that you were in pain, but like during sex and like, what does it feel like if, if you're experiencing that, is it like pressure or is it like sharp shooting pain? It would actually feel like someone was inside of me with like a knife just stabbing me, like daggers and daggers of pain. Um, and it would just come like in a sudden sharp pain all at once. And then I would be like out. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I just had to lay there and just wait it out until it kind of subsided a little bit so I could function. Right, right. Okay. I mean, that helps just because sometimes I feel like people don't know what, yeah. you know, painful sex. Yep. I, I personally knock on what I haven't had that type of experience, but I've had the experience where like, it's, if I just feels like a lot of pressure to me and I was like, is this endo? Is this normal? I don't yeah. know. Okay. So then after your third child, at this point, do you realize like, okay, I know I have this disease endometriosis. Do you understand what it means? Or do you think like, the GI symptoms are related? Do you know that this is all related? Or do you think that just your period cramps are the endo and the other things are just, you don't, you don't know what's wrong? So I didn't get my endo diagnosis until a year after my third child. Okay. And I honestly had no idea what was going on. Like I was, I had no idea what was happening to my body. I, the only thing I knew for sure is that having painful sex was not normal. The rest of the stuff I thought was just normal. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, my mom of three kids. I don't sleep. I have GI issues because I eat like garbage because I'm running around after kids. 
I never really put any of it together, um, but I knew, and I kept going to my doctor and saying, this is affecting my relationship. Like I'm at the time I was 25, 26. This is literally affecting my relationship so badly. And I would be in her office crying and I'm like, we need to fix this. We need to find out what's happening and what's going on. And what she was really sympathetic. She, yeah. I was going to say, what, how did she handle it? Like, what did she say? Um, she, I mean, she totally understood and she, she felt bad for me and she gave me like a list of options. She said, let's try some antibiotics. Um, let's, you know, take some cultures. And we did that for a couple of months. And then finally she put me on two different birth controls and I just can't take the hormones. I was very sick throwing up. I couldn't eat. Um, and I called her office and I said, I can't do it anymore. I can't take any more antibiotics. I can't keep taking birth control. It's not working. And she said, you know, come into my office and let's talk about endometriosis. And then my like brain went back to like 16 year old me. And I was like, Whoa, wow. <laughs> Wow. Right. Because your guidance counselor said it. And again, when you're 16, you probably were like, yeah, whatever, whatever that is. And then you got pregnant after that. So you just, you weren't thinking about it. Exactly. Right? You weren't putting two and two together. Yeah. So did she ever say endometriosis before that though? No. When she was putting you on birth control and all of this, they thought maybe you had some sort of infection or something. Um, a lot of the times, like if I'd go to the hospital because the pain was so bad, or I'd go to the office and I'd have to see another doctor because she wasn't there, they'd tell me they think I have pelvic inflammatory disease. And I would yeah. get that. I mean, so, and that's what I was put on antibiotics for all the for, time. Yeah. And um, obviously it wasn't. All my cultures would always come back negative. Everything was negative. Yeah. So I just said to her, I'm like, it's all negative. I don't have anything going on. This doesn't add up you know, and that's when she was like, yeah, we got to talk about endometriosis. She's like, come into the office and we'll have a chat. And I was like, oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. And you put it all together. How are you feeling like with all of that medical stuff going on, you have three small children, <laughs> you're newly married. It sounds like, like, yeah. how are you like dealing with this all? Are you just pushing through or like, I mean, that's a lot, right? And you weren't feeling <laughs> yeah. good. So of course you probably like you said, you're like, I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm running around, I'm not taking yeah. care of myself. You know, how, how are you getting through this? Now? Um, then, uh, when then, you were like in oh. it. Then I feel like I didn't process everything like as it was happening. I right. kind of just muddled through it. I got my information, I had my surgery and I just wanted to, you know, get answers. Um, I think once after I had my surgery and I was recovering and I started actually looking into endometriosis and reaching out to support groups and finding other women and, and really learning about it is when it all just kind of hit me like a brick wall all at once. And the first thing I said to my husband was, this is not a one and done kind of thing. This surgery is not going to fix me. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and be better. This is like we're in it for the long haul. This is a long journey. And he just kind of looked at me and we were like a year away from our wedding. And uh, I was like, yeah, we're in it to win it. <laughs> we got to yeah. stick this out. And he was like, you know, whatever you want to do, let's get you recovered and healed and to the right doctors and we'll figure it out. And I was like, all right, because I'm just winging it. <laughs> right. And we're all just winging it. Don't worry. <laughs> so, Okay. She says endometriosis, you go in and talk to her. What happens from that conversation? Obviously, it sounds like you had surgery. Yep. You went into her office. What, what, would she, what was she saying? 
She said to me, um, it sounds like I have endometriosis. It's a disease that you can only um, diagnose through a laparoscopic surgery, which she explained to me that she goes in and she just kind of explores and sees what's going on. Um, and then she said, I hate to tell you, but there's no, um, she, like there's not a high chance that what I'm about to do is gonna relieve you from your pain, but at least we'll have answers. So I was like, it's kind okay. of a 50-50, yeah. you know? Um, so I said to her, I'm willing to take the chance of having the surgery and not having relief. At least I know what's going on with my body and we can start somewhere. Right, at this point, have you put together like GI cramps, nope. all of that, okay. None of it. I, I was so solely focused on the pain during intercourse that nothing else even would have, I would have never guessed that any of that had to do with endo. I mean, it makes sense. Of course, you, why would you? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Yeah. It's because it, it feels all so separate. Okay. And so you're like, all right, let's, let's do this surgery. Yep. And so how soon after that conversation did you have your procedure? Four weeks. Okay. And yeah. was this, so this was exploratory? Yes. Okay. And what did they find when they were in there? Um, she found one cyst on my left ovary that she drained and then she found endo and she burned some of it and uh, that was it. Okay. And <laughs> did she, did she know if it was an endometrioma or yeah? She, she really didn't know. She just kind of said, um, he, she showed me pictures. She showed me, you know, my endo. She said, we, you had a cyst on your left ovary that we drained. And she said, you need to see a specialist. She goes, I can't help you any further. I don't do this kind of surgery. You need to find a robotic surgeon. And I was like, what is a robotic surgeon? I was like, what is happening? I couldn't believe it. I mean, respectable though, that she at least referred you to somebody else, yeah. right? How, so how did you recover from this? How were you feeling? And was your next step like, okay, now I need to find... Like, what did you do next? Did you start researching? Like what? I. That's kind of a lot to take in. It was. And honestly, as soon as I was able to get out of bed during recovery, I was on my computer, on Facebook. I was like, I need support groups. I need information. I need everything that I can get because I'm the kind of person who likes to get all the information and research and then make a decision, yeah. especially about something, you know, like this big and, and life-changing and a possibly having to have another surgery whilst I'm still recovering. So I'm just trying to process all of it. And I found Nancy's Nook on Facebook and I just started reading articles and articles and articles. And I was like, wow, this is so much more complicated than I thought it would ever be. I mean, my surgery came with answers, but also came with 500 other questions. Yeah. And at that point you were like, oh, now I know why my GI was having issues. And you yes. started to put the other things that you weren't feeling well, you started to put that all together. Yeah. I'm like, what? wow, it just makes sense. I can't believe how long I've been suffering from so many different things. And it's been this one disease affecting my whole entire body this whole time. And I had no idea. Yeah. And all of your research, like for people who are just listening, like think about before you did the research, if you were listening to this podcast right now, what were some of the biggest things that stood out to you that you think could help other people? I would say the um, nausea, like during my period, that sh 
I mean, that shouldn't be normal at all. And I shouldn't have normalized that at all. But unfortunately, that's all I knew. Um, missing school. I mean, being so sick that you literally cannot get out of bed or eat. It, it, that would have been like a red flag. If this was me listening, I would have been like, yeah, definitely not. Um, and then I would get really bad like leg and leg cramps, kind of. That's not normal at all. And I just... Like, it's so hard for me to look back now knowing what I know and being like, how did you not pick up on that? How did you not realize it was not normal? I mean, you can't blame yourself, though. <laughs> I, I did the same thing for years and years and years and years. Same, very, I mean, very similar in the nausea and the very painful cramps and missed school. And again, I also thought it was normal. Yeah. It's it's not your fault that you thought that. But yeah, okay, so you you, you find all of these people on Facebook. So there's Nancy's Nook for everybody who's listening. And then there's Endometropolis. I yep. always like to recommend both of those groups. And then there's always local groups too. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, everybody should do their research on multiple groups because there's difference of opinions in them. And I think educating yourself is such an important part of endometriosis. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. So, 100%. and we, I know it's frustrating for some people because we shouldn't have to do that, but the doctors don't have the education that they need. So we have to do it, unfortunately. Yep. Okay. So you learn all this and now you're like, oh my goodness, what did I just find out about myself yeah, and my much. life? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And um, I looked up one of the, um, I guess like Nancy Nook specialists. I don't really know exactly what they're called, but she puts together a list of doctors that she recommends. Um, and I found one that I had happened to like in New York, Dr. Um, Iris Orbrook. And I made an appointment with her to just talk and learn more about this disease that I knew nothing about and my OB didn't really know too much about either. Um, and I think it was only six months after my surgery that I met with her. And when I went into her appointment, I, I mean, I really did love her. She was great and knowledgeable and, um, she was just very down to earth. But when we sat down and talked, she was like, you pretty much know about this disease from all of your own research, you know, Nancy's Nook and everything that you've done. And she said to me, I would recommend that you do pelvic floor PT and we'll get you an MRI and we'll get you a sonogram and we'll see if we could see anything, you know, going on. And then I'll talk to you in, you know, four to six weeks. And I was like, what is pelvic floor PT? I've never, I've never heard of this in my life. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. And my husband's like, so what did you think? How do you feel? You know? And I was like, so overwhelmed, like with crippling anxiety. I was like, in the last six months, my life has changed like drastically. And yeah. after I had my surgery, my pain increased times a thousand. I was barely functioning. I had neuropathy in my feet. I was waking up feeling like I had the flu. My whole body was hurting. My anxiety was at like a nine or a 10 every single day that I was waking up. All I could think about was endometriosis. Like it just started to physically and mentally consume my whole entire life. Yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Right. Because you got hit like with a freight train of information very quickly. Yeah. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. So what did you do? after all of this information, what did you do? I went for my sano, I went for my MRI, and I held off on pelvic floor PT because a lot of um, places are out of pocket. 
And I was like, this is insane. I can't afford this. I have a house and kids and how do people pay this? And it's just like my mind was spinning. And I was like, I have to put this on the back burner right now. I mentally am tapped out. I cannot even start to think about anything else. Um, So when she got my MRI results, it showed that I had pelvic congestion syndrome. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. I haven't heard of that. Talk to me about it. So it's kind of like varicose veins, but it's in your pelvic area. And um, all my veins on my left side were restricted, which was causing a lot of my pain on my left side. So basically I needed to see a vascular surgeon to do a procedure to put coils in those veins to open them up so I have better blood flow in my pelvic area. Okay. So six months after having surgery, I'm now being told that I need another procedure. (laughs) So I'm like, how is this happening? And I'm getting married in six months. Yes. So I was like, I, I was tapped out. I was, I said to my husband, I'm like, I just feel overwhelmed. I feel isolated. I'm confused. I I I felt like no one understood what I was going through. And as much as he tried to understand he just couldn't. I mean, he doesn't even have the same body parts that I have that what I'm dealing with. Um, so it was hard for the both of us. And that's why I love the support group so much because I would be in there and I'm like, has anyone heard of pelvic congestion syndrome? Has anyone, you know, and a lot of these women were like, yes. And I had, you know, this procedure and I had that procedure and it kind of made me feel a little like normal, like what I was going through. It wasn't just me. What, you know, like why me? I used to ask myself that question so much. Why is this happening to me? You know, I, can I handle this? I'm a mom of three kids. I'm about to be a wife. What, you know, what else do you want to give me? (laughs) Right. Right. And, justified in every inch of feeling that way that is a lot to take in so i ended up having the procedure um i literally a year after i had my exploratory surgery so you got married and kind of like took a break and please tell me you enjoyed at least like (laughs) getting like in the beginning and after that and then you had more time to kind of deal with everything Yeah, I kind of took like a little hiatus and I was like, I need to focus on the wedding and just kind of put all this on the back burner. We got married and we went on our honeymoon and it was beautiful and it was so much, so much fun. It was a really great mental break that I really needed. Yeah. And then as soon as we got back from our honeymoon, I was like, doctor appointment, doctor appointment, doctor appointment, right back on the grind. We need to take care of stuff. And um, I, I did. I had my surgery in July, well, my procedure in July, and um, it helped a little bit, um, took away a little bit of my left side pain, um, like, that I would have every day, and then, um, so what does that procedure entail, like, what are they, is it, you go fully under, and they go in and put these coils in, I wish I was fully under. Um, oh gosh! I have so I have such bad like I really have such bad anxiety, and yeah. I kept telling them you're gonna have to knock me out. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna be crying that morning if you don't knock me out. And they're like you'll you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So it's an in office procedure. It's like um, I think he told me 45 minutes. You know, it, it's just kind of like you're out. You're not fully twilight. out, but you're sleeping. Yeah, yeah like a yeah, twilight. Yeah. yeah. So I'm panicking, and I'm like thinking of everything that could possibly go wrong. Of course. 
So they take me into the back. <laughs> he gives me my IV, which I hate needles. <laughs> and I start crying and I'm having a full on panic attack. I'm Aww. shaking, like shivering, shaking. And he's yeah. like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not. So they had to have my husband come in the back and sit with me <laughs> until I went in. And um, then they gave me like something to calm me down, I guess. And yeah. then once the anesthesiologist came in, I was out. out. I don't remember anything at That's all. That's good. You're good. Yeah. And so what does that procedure do? So that procedure does exactly what you said it does. Yep. It just kind of opens everything up. Okay. So it helped a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. And that was in July of what year? Uh, two, was it 2019? It last, was last year. Last yeah, year. So the summer that just passed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So 2019. Um, after that, once I got the clearance from my surgeon, I started um, pelvic floor PT. Okay. And um, how did you feel? Did you feel like that was helpful? I think the first two months was really rough. First of all, <laughs> I had no idea what pelvic floor PT was. I didn't Google it before I went to my consultation. I didn't ask anyone about it. I just went. And when she was like, oh, we're going to do an internal exam. I was like, this is PT. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> right. And she was like, yes, for your pelvic floor, <laughs> which is on the inside of your body. And I was like, <sighs> how did I not put the pieces together? Oh my gosh. So she, she was good about it because I was like freaking out and I was like, how is this happening? So, um, we did it for like two or three months and I was in a lot of pain. I ended up going on Valium suppositories to kind of relax my pelvic floor. So it would help along the PT. Did she say that your pelvic floor was really tight and yeah. It, yeah. She said m the muscles towards the back were like super tight. And then also she would do um, like PT on my like abdomen mm -hmm. over at my belly button. And she said it was like really super tight um, and it was painful. I would be crying when she was over by my belly button. Yeah. I think after like five months, she asked me, she's like, you know, do you think it's working? Is it helping? And I said a little bit, but not like a significant amount not worth like, what you're spending yes. and time and yeah and that's what I said to her I'm like you know it's great and if it helps other women then I'm all for it but I just don't think that it's working you know for me personally right and she right. was good about it she totally understood and she told me if I want to come back and try it again that I'm more than welcome to yeah and I mean you gave it a good shot I mean five yeah. six months is a I feel like that's reasonable amount of time to test it yeah yeah. And I agree with you. I think it works for a lot of people and some people, they don't find relief from it. I think it depends on where you are in your journey. Yeah, exactly. So I know some people who had it before and after and, and they've had success, but oh, wow. I think that's an option. <laughs> but yeah. Like before and after excision surgery. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So that leads us up. I mean, that's pretty close to where you are now. Yeah. Um, after that, I decided that I'm, I definitely need surgery. I mean, I did everything that I felt was within my power to avoid sur another surgery. Um, so I started exploring other doctors because Dr. Orbrook is in California now. She's doing surgeries in New York, but she doesn't have an office in, Calif uh, in New York. Oh boy. So yeah, I was like, okay, we got to find a new doctor. Um, in between trying to find a doctor and going to PT. I was also fighting my insurance company to pay for my excision, excision surgery. Um, 
my regular OB was writing them letters. She was saying, you know, her quality of life is affected. Her ability to care for her children is affected. Yeah. You know, she was explaining how I can't take Lup Lupron and Orlissa because um, I don't do well with hormonal medication. And she was really advocating for me and trying to show the insurance company that I'm doing whatever I can. Yeah. Um, I was meeting with all of their in-network doctors that they claimed were specialists with endometriosis. And all of them said the same thing to me. If you won't take Lupron, I can't help you. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. Thanks. Wow. And I think that, I think for some of them, it, it has to be some sort of like insurance requirement or yeah. something. I think so. I really do. And one doctor was, you know, totally honest with me. He sat down and he was like, I'm a regular OBGYN who is knowledgeable with endometriosis, but I know that all I can do is give you Lupron because I cannot perform a excision surgery. I mean, respectable, but then you're like, okay, goodbye. And like, just, <laughs> you're like interviewing. It's like going on an interview. Yes. Multiple, multiple interviews. Well, yeah. and Every time you leave the doctor, even though you know it's not going to be your doctor, you felt exhausted. Like I would leave and I'd be in tears and my husband would be like, why are you getting so upset? And I'm like, because it's just so sad that there are so many doctors out there and none of these doctors could help me at all. That I'm so limited with my resources. And haven't you been through enough that now you have to like go around and try and find someone who can actually help you. Yeah. And thank goodness you had the knowledge to do that because yeah. a lot of times people don't even know what endo is in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So have you found a doctor? Yes. So yes. I finally went with um, Dr. Najat. He has an office in Valley Stream and he has an office in New York City. Um, when I met with, I actually just met with him. I was supposed to have my surgery April 1st. So I met with him last month, okay. like a month and a half ago. And it was like an instant connection. Uh, he was really down to earth, super honest. He took the time to explain everything to me. He answered all my questions like in great detail. Um, he also knew that I run a local support group. So he t said to me, he's like, it is so super important for you to educate yourself so you can help uh, educate other women. Mm -hmm. And I was like, just so blown away with how much he really cares about the women in the endo community. Yeah. That's awesome. That is yeah. after everything you've been through, <laughs> that was probably like so refreshing and just yes. like a deep, a deep sigh of relief. It was, I honestly felt like all the fighting with my insurance company, all like everything that I had been through was worth it. Like when I walked out of his office and to, and to boot the woman that works in his office, got my insurance company to pay for my consultation. I have no idea how she did it. She's like an, a miracle worker, but she did it. So it was like a double whammy for me. It was like, I've been fighting them. We got this approved. And this is like my doctor. Like I, right. I love him. That's it. I've never seen anyone else. Well, that's, that's what I love. And for people who are listening or watching, like the best part about that is that it is worth, I know it's exhausting and you have had a crazy journey in a short period of time <laughs> too. And, yeah. but it was worth the wait and it was worth the fight and it did lead you to the right person, even though yeah. it was crazy but that's like the biggest thing for people. You have to advocate for yourself and you have to keep fighting until you find that person. Like you just said, we had an instant connection, your insurance company paid. Like that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. It's just, 
like when I talk to other women or even when we like in the support group or um, I know I volunteered for endo found to speak at the local schools about um, endometriosis and I just used to tell the girls all the time you are your biggest advocate nobody is gonna fight for you like you and I can remember nights where I was in bed just crying and I felt hopeless and I wanted to give up and I, I just couldn't I couldn't take it anymore and then all in the end, when I found my surgeon, I looked back and I was like, every tear, every ounce of stress, every fight that I had on the phone with the insurance company, it was just worth it. it. It really was. And I know people look at me like, what do you mean it was worth it? You were so stressed out and you were so strung out and you were all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, but look where all of that got me. Look where always fighting and never giving up and pushing, even when I felt like I couldn't go anymore, look where it got me. Yeah, exactly. And there's, and I also want to point out, there's nothing wrong with also taking a step back. You got to yeah. that point before the wedding, like I'm overwhelmed. This is too much. I'm going to take a step back. I actually think that we think more clearly yeah. after taking a step back like that. I mean, after this is, I mean, that's happened to me several times too. Like where I have a cyst or something like that. And I'm just like, I can't deal with this again. Yep. But even after like my last surgery, like I went and saw my natural doctor and he was like, you should do this and you should do that. And here's all these supplements. And I was like, you know what? Like no doctors for six months. Like I just, I need a break. Like I just, yep. and I felt better after I really did. Cause it was like, you go to acupuncture, you go to PT, you see your normal doctor, you see your regular OBG. Yep. And it's just like, I, I, I can't even keep it straight. I need a project manager to manage all my pro <laughs> like my doctors, you know? My mother-in-law said to me, she's like, you're like a old woman. You have a doctor for everything. And I was like, <laughs> I, me, myself, I'm 20. Now I'm 28. Yeah. How do you think I feel? I'm like, right. okay, this week's the urologist and next week's the specialist right. and next week's the OB. Like, it's crazy. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I'm really happy to hear where you're at, but I'm not happy to hear that. So you had an April 1st surgery scheduled yeah. and obviously we're in the time of COVID-19. Whenever people are listening to this, we're actually recording this on April 22nd. So 21 days after she was supposed to have surgery. How did you, how did, I mean, were you just like, oh, typical, like <laughs> this is endo and endo is playing a trick on me. How, how are you feeling about all that right now? I mean, when we booked my date and my husband's like, oh, that's April Fool's. And I was like, haha, joke's on me because, you know, why, why else would we pick any other date? <laughs> any other God day. forbid. <laughs> um, I think I'm mixed. Um, I'm a little relieved because I was really nervous about my surgery. I was in like planning mom mode. I'm like, where are the kids going to be? Who's going to be watching them? Who's taking care of the dogs? And I was kind of getting that all together. Yeah. Um, and I was anticipating when it would hit me that I was having surgery. And then after it got canceled, I was like, all right, everything happens for a reason. Let's right. just take it slow. And then I was mad because now, you know, I'm in pain again. Of course. Um, I got two cycles during the quarantine and I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, this is ridiculous. I understand that to most people, our surgery is not considered essential, but to us, it feels so essential. And I feel like I took 25 steps back yeah. by not having this surgery. So it's hard um, to kind of just muddle through it and you know hope that within the next five, six months, I may have my surgery because who knows what's gonna happen. Right, right. I, and it's just unfortunate that you're in New York because yeah. 
um, things are just going to be slower there because yep. you guys have so many cases. I'm so sorry to hear that. I am a firm believer though, that everything happens for a reason. I don't know what the reason of all yeah. of this like <laughs> happening to you and your surgery being postponed, but you know what, maybe April 1st wasn't your date and yeah. there's, you know, there's another date. Have you talked to Dr. Najat at all? Do you know, like, is he giving you like a, I think we'll be able to do it in a couple months or just checking in on you? Um, I am actually good friends with one of the girls that works in his office. Um, she's been a really big support system for me and I talk to her often. I adore her. Um, she just said to me, I think a couple of days ago that she, she's hoping for the end of June, but, um, they're kind of taking it day by day. They, yeah. re they really don't know what's right. going to happen right? or where this is going to go. One of my good friends is also supposed to have surgery with him May 25th. And she's still like holding on to like a piece that she may have this surgery. Yeah. Um, but who, who knows? I mean, they literally said it's day by day. Yeah every day it changes, you know, we don't know. And, um, I think I'm kind of a little happy because I have no choice but to take a break from doctor's appointments. Yeah. I mean, I'm still talking to my pain management doctor, but like, that's it. I haven't gone to my primary care doctor. I haven't gone to my urologist. Like everything's kind of cut out for a couple months and we're all kind of just studying home and relaxing. And I think that piece I'm kind of enjoying a little bit because yeah. I'm able to have like a mental break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that is good. So I know you said you've had two cycles since quarantine. How are you feeling like on a day to day basis? I know you said you have pain too, but yeah, it's how, miserable. <laughs> yeah. What are your it's biggest just, like symptoms right now? Um oh my god. I have neuropathy in my feet every day. I went to a neurologist. I had scans done and tests done and everything came back normal. Um, so I don't know if that's part of my endo. I, no one knows until I have surgery. Um, yeah. so that is one of my biggest factors. Um, I have severe cramping all of the time. Like it literally feels like I'm on my period all the time. And I get, um, like these really bad sharp pains on my, my left side, that the other night I was in bed with my husband and we're on, you know, we're on our phones on social media, just relaxing. And all of a sudden I get this sharp pain and I am doubled over in bed, like hysterical crying. And he's like, what, what just happened? You were just like literally just fine. And you're crying. He's like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, get me a heating pad, heating pad. put it on my side <laughs> right away <laughs> and just leave me. <laughs> yes. And please <laughs> don't talk to away. me. Yeah. I love you. Don't talk to me. Get a heating pad. Yes, that's literally it. Like, just get me my heating pad. And that, like, that's it. There's nothing I could do. It's, it's hard because you're trying to function as a parent yeah. while trying to manage your endo symptoms. And some days, you know, thankfully my husband's working from home and he's going into work sporadically. So he, he's here to help me. But I said to him, I'm like, I just can't, like, I can't take it. I can't take laying in bed in pain all of the time. Like, yeah. it's just, I'm done. I'm tapped out, you yeah. know, and he'll be like, Oh, get up, come outside, walk around. And I'm like, I can't, I, I just, today is the first day I put on leggings in like three or four weeks. I live in sweatpants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and granted no one's seeing me right now, but you okay. still want to like feel a little normal. Yeah. It's so hard because you're not like you're what, then again, what is normal, but you're not. And, um, I, I just, 
sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm used to living in pain and just another day with endo. And then sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I'm done. I, I want to refund. This body's defective. Take it back. You can have it. I don't right, need right. these parts anymore. <laughs> right. Return. I'd like a return, please. How much am I getting back for this? <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's funny. I, I don't know if it's funny. I shouldn't use those terms, but <laughs> I guess it's like inside joke if you have yes. endo because we get it. But like even the other day, I went to my husband and I was just like, I'm like, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. I'm just, I'm done. Like, I'm. He's like, he chuckled at me, and I was like, what? And he's like, you come up to me and say this all the time, and then you'll feel better, and you're like skipping around the house yep. and you don't notice. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, and then five days later, you come back and you're like, I'm done, I yep. can't do this. So, yes. you know, I think it's the ups and downs of having the disease. That's, yes. That's the bottom line, but you know, 28, great surgeon, you're gonna do really well. Thanks, that's really what I'm well. hoping for. And I have a good support system. I'm good. really lucky that I worked really hard to kind of build that foundation because I know it's important to have a good support system during all of this. I mean, in general, it's good to have a good support system, but I knew I was going to need people to lean on, to help me with the kids, um, to help me mentally get through everything. So I'm really lucky and super blessed that I have a lot of friends and family that are supportive of everything. I mean, they're always taking the kids when I go to doctor's appointments. Um, my friends will stay up with me till two o'clock in the morning, listening to me complain about the same thing that I was just complaining about four days ago. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And it's really, it is really important. I agree with you. And the groups really help too, yep. if you don't have someone close by and, you know, a big suggestion for me for when you're recovering from surgery is set up a meal train because everybody wants to help. So it's a website called mealtrain.com and people can sign up every night to bring you and your family dinner. Oh, wow. I like that. Yeah. So I've done it for a few people, like help set it up for a few people here because people always want to send flowers or balloons. And yeah. it's like, instead of spending $70 on a bouquet of flowers, like you don't have to cook it. I mean, some people want to cook you dinner or they'll just bring you dinner from your favorite restaurant and you yeah. can put in there like specifications. And so like, that's one of my big advices is like cook in advance and freeze it or set up a meal train, especially oh, with I three like kids. That. It's like a lot. Yeah. So for anyone else too, like it, it is very helpful for after because all you want to do is get up and get things going and clean the house yep. and you're not, you can't, you have to rest. You I know that's the mistake rest. I made with my first surgery. Like after a week, I was like, I want to like, I want to function. I want to, I was going up down the stairs. My mother-in-law was like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Cause we, they live downstairs from us. She's like, you need to like relax. You need to sit. You need to just veg. And I was like, I I'm going crazy. I, I don't, I mean, do I lay in bed and relax when I need you? 100%. But do I lay in bed for a week straight? No, I'm losing my mind. Yeah. And, um, even my husband, like, he was like, all right, I'm, I'm tapped out. He's like, I, I don't know how you do this. I can't take it. <laughs> you know, like the laundry, the cleaning, yeah, uh, all of that. So, I mean, I definitely, when I have my next surgery, I'm going to take it slow and just. After relax. excision, excision recovery is definitely different than ablation recovery. It will yeah. be longer. I don't want to scare you. I just want you to have the facts I want. And for people listening, it, it'll be longer because they're doing a lot more work inside. So it's, well, I appreciate the honesty. That's what yeah, I, no, I want to know. Sometimes <laughs> the doc, when the doctors say two months, no, I think like after six weeks, I walked a mile after wow. my last one. 
So, and no lifting, like you shouldn't lift anything over, I think it's five pounds. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Oh, so, the, I mean, because you don't want to get adhesions. The yeah. last thing you want is adhesions. You might as well just have endo back if you have a bunch <laughs> of adhesions. So, yeah, you gotta, you're going to have to take it easy. Yeah. So it, it's, it'll be a longer recovery. I mean, some people bounce back faster, but it, it's, it's definitely more invasive because they're actually cutting the disease out and getting it all out. Yeah. Which, you know, if you think about if I was like rubbing a pen on your skin over and over and over again and doing that all over the place and you were actually bleeding, like think about that healing. Yeah. So it's going to take a little bit more time. And that isn't something that somebody told me because I had ablation and then went to excision very similarly. And I did recover faster from the ablation surgery. And then the excision, I, I it took me a definitely a longer period of time. It's so. funny because I never asked what my recovery was going to be like. And I never got to the point of discussing recovery because my surgery got canceled. Right. Um, so I had said to my friend who works for my doctor, I'm like, I just want to know like roughly, what do you yeah. say for recovery? And she said six weeks. And I was like, I agree what to do for six weeks. Yeah. I mean, you'll be able to like get up and walk around and stuff, but you're not going to be like cooking dinner and doing yeah. laundry, you know, it, which you is kind will... of nice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Make sure you tell your husband six weeks at least, you know, but I would yeah. say even like after six weeks, you'll, you'll start to get like going and stuff, but you're still going to be tired. You're going to have to take it slow. Yeah. You, it'll be, it'll be some time, but then after that, you're just going to feel so much better. It's going to be worth the wait. I hope so. I really am hoping and praying. And I mean, Dr. Najat said to me when we met, he's like, I don't want you to go into this surgery thinking that you're going to come out and, and feel, you know, a thousand times better and you're cured. He goes, I hope that this surgery does that for you. And I hope that you may never need another surgery or, you know, maybe 10 years. He goes, but there's no guarantee. There's no timeline. There's, yeah. I can't tell you for sure how this surgery is going to work for you. And I appreciate the honesty and I'm glad that he was up front, even yes. though it may have been hard to tell me that. So this way I kind of know what I'm expecting, mm -hmm. but at this point I'm literally willing to do anything. Like I don't care what, if, if I walk away and I have no relief, at least I know that I've exerted all of my options. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even if you get to 80%, that's so mm -hmm. much better than 20% was where yep. maybe you are right now. It is worth it. And as, and I love that he said that to you, that I feel like that is the most respectable thing that you can do for a patient is right size their expectations. This is yeah. a chronic condition there is no cure, yep. but we can make you feel better. And that's what yeah. we're trying to do. But yeah. you're not going to be like, you know, 100% after it's just, that's just the fact of the disease, unfortunately, but you might be 95. Exactly. Because going into this, I had, um, I really thought that like an excision surgery would cure me. Like I thought I was going to have an excision surgery. They were going to take out all the endo. I was going to go on birth control and I was never going to have pain again. And that's what I genuinely really thought. And this is after still doing, you know, a year or two of my own research. Yeah. I still really thought an excision surgery was going to cure me. And I was like, just get me under the, you know, get me in there, get me in the OR, yeah. give me the surgery. And then when he said that to me, I was like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. I, 
like a little taken back. And after talking to a couple of people, they were like, yeah, no way, girl. <laughs> you're living in a fantasy world. If you think you're going to be cured, it may help, which is what we're hoping, but you're not going to be cured. And I was like, wow, I'm learning something new every single day about this disease. It never surprises me. I have been in this space, this community for 20 years, advocating for 10, and I still learn something new every day about it that I didn't know. I, I felt the same way about my excision. I was like, mm, I'm going to be cured. This is amazing. <laughs> what I will tell you is I got 10 good years before really? I started. Yeah. I mean, I still, my periods were not like I was out raging and having the yeah. best time of my life, <laughs> but I was, I had 10 good, nine good years before I started to have like daily pain again. That's so, fair. Very good. Yeah. And with a really good excision, which I had nine years later, I didn't even know when my period was coming. Wow. So that's like, I mean, there's hope. There is a amazing. lot of hope. Yeah. Trust me. That's the first awesome. time, the first time it happened, I mean, the first couple after surgery are going to be a little rough because you're healing. Yeah. But then I think it was like four or five months. I was at work one day and I went to the restroom and was like, what? <laughs> like that's never in What's my happening? life I've never in my life didn't know my period was coming like yeah never you know in advance because your body is like hey I'm gonna freak out because my period's coming you know yep and that was a huge win for me I was able to go to the gym on the first day of my period I mean those wow. like and it's hard like sometimes to remember that especially in recovery because you are gonna have other aches and pains that are gonna yeah. slowly go away but it's sometimes like stopping and being like oh like wow, that really did help. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm happy for you. That's like amazing. Nine years. That's, I pray Nine years. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's 100% possible and maybe it'll be a hundred years. Who knows? <laughs> uh, hopefully. <laughs> Going go with that attitude. It'll be good. Well, well, great. Is there anything you want to say to, to anyone listening or any kind of like Last words that um, you want to tell the community? I mean, we have people listening from all over the world. I mean, my biggest thing that I always just like to express to everyone is if you're going through this and you're, even if you don't have endo and you're hearing this and you're like, wow, a lot of these symptoms resonate to me, or I feel like I'm going through this, you're not alone. There are so many women that are dealing with what you're dealing with. Um, you're not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, and if a doctor ever tells you something that makes you uncomfortable or lessens what you're going through, then you need to see another doctor. Always advocate for yourself. Like I said before, no one's ever going to advocate for you like you. You know your body. No doctor knows your body better than you. And I just want to really put that out there that you need to push and fight for yourself. And I know a lot of girls get nervous or worried, you know, this doctor went to school and you know, what do I know? You know, you've been living in this body 28 years, 25 years, 17 years, you know, and don't stop fighting until you find the doctor that's right for you and listens to you. Cause that's what you need. You really need someone to hear you out and who's knowledgeable about this disease and is willing to, work with you and what you're comfortable with because even I have limitations uh, you know medicine wise certain things that I believe in and don't believe and I've had doctors push 
things on me and try and tell me, well, if you're not going to take the medicine, then I don't want to be your doctor. And I say, that's fine. Then I don't want you to be my doctor. I don't need you to be. I can find someone else that uh, respects my body and my decisions. Yeah. Thank you. Next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, essentially. Okay. And then any other tips and tricks that you found that do help besides heating pad, any diet changes or supplements or anything that through this kind of past couple of years and your whole journey, I mean, you've been going through this for a lot longer than a few years, but since you knew that you had yeah. endo that, that you've maybe can pass on. Um, I mean, for me, obviously heating pad, I love my heating pad. I have four, I have travel <laughs> heating pads, everything. Um, I love my CBD cream. I don't leave my house without it. This is my CBD cream. Yes. What? I got it from my local distillery. Okay. Okay. <laughs> CBD lotion. I like yep. it. Um, and really I cut out, well, I have celiac, so I'm gluten-free completely. Um, and I've cut out dairy. I have noticed a huge, huge difference in my pain, my chronic everyday pain. When I started cutting out dairy, it made such a difference. It was hard making the transition, but it, it was well worth it because I experience less intense pain on a day-to-day -day basis if I don't have dairy. So I think that's a big thing. Um, I cut out red meat and I really recommend um, lessening your red meat because I've noticed such a difference. But everyone's different, everyone's body's different. What works for me may not work for you. I know a lot of women have highly suggested cutting out dairy um, and yoga has worked for me. Um, especially with my anxiety. Sometimes when I get really like overwhelmed with everything, I just kind of pop on yoga on the TV and I just shut the door and I'm like everyone out of my room for 45 minutes and it really helps. And um, I have found some positions in yoga that help with your like pelvic floor and stuff. So I think overall that was kind of a big win for me. That's great. Yeah. Help um, calm down the nervous system. Yeah and the pain and that helps with the anxiety too. Yes. How's your anxiety, is your anxiety been, been better? Uh, during this quarantine? No, it's been, well, it's been awful. <laughs> Pre-quarantine. Pre Pre-quarantine, <laughs> um, pre I actually was doing a lot better. Um, my day-to-day -day anxiety was pretty good because I used to be at like a 10 all the time. So it's been pretty good up until all of this happened. Okay. But you figure out, you know, different ways to manage. And I think every day is a learning curve and I'm just winging it like the rest of us and trying to figure out what I can do to make every day easier. I'm always open to hearing new ways and options of helping, you know, relieve pain. I always reach out to the girls in my support group and I'm like, listen, if anyone else has tried new supplements or done new things, let me hear about it. Let yeah. me know. I want to try whatever. Um, I tried THC. I have my medical marijuana card. Unfortunately, it didn't work for me at all. It was polar opposite. But other women, it works great for, yeah. you know. So I'm totally willing to try anything. Yeah. Same, same here. Testing. You have to test what works for your body. We're all yeah. different. We all have different biology. We all have different DNA and exactly. we all respond differently, even to endo. Everybody's yep. endo story is unique and what we respond to is different. There's some similarities like with cutting out the dairy and gluten and stuff like that where people have had success. Some haven't or some don't want to give it up because they're already going through so much and that's respectable that. <laughs> too. Yeah, I get it. When someone so. said to me, cut out dairy, I was like in tears. I'm like, are you crazy? 
Like, I can I, eat a whole block of cheese in one sitting. What do you mean cut out dairy? I love food. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah, I get it too. I get it too. Well, we wish you so much luck on your surgery and thank you for the help that you do to help other women and people that have endometriosis and you have a great spirit and like thank personality you. and I feel like you're good energy. So I just know that you're going to feel thank really, you. you are going to feel really good. And I appreciate you sharing and being really personal um, on the podcast. And speaking of that, we have a Facebook group now for everybody who's listening for just people who listen to the podcast. And hopefully Lisa will join it in case you have any further questions for her after about her story. Um, I'm trying to keep it, you know, small and intimate. And so it doesn't get too crazy, but just more about the podcast. And if people have after the show questions, which will be linked in the show notes and down here below, if you're watching on YouTube. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, thank you again for your time and sharing everything with us. We I enjoyed it. it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It means so much to me and it's helping so many people worldwide. We appreciate you being here. If you want to be on the show, please check the show notes for my contact information. And if you want to keep the conversation going after the podcast, please join our Facebook group. Thank you again for listening. Wishing you a wonderful day and low pain. Take care.